Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I'm a security guard for an alarm response company. We answer alarms for businesses and private residences. 99% of the time it's just a motion detector set off by a cat or a restaurant forgot to disarm their stuff before the stock truck arrived to unload. Just stuff like that. But in this case, I was called out to a house where the back door alarm was set off. Like it thought that someone opened it. The owner was out of town but she was alerted by her app and had her mother meet me there. We checked the door and it's locked. We figured that maybe someone tried the door, but it didn't budge, setting off the alarm. But there's a light on inside. Mum mentions this to the daughter on the phone. The daughter says that she isn't sure if she left the light on or not. It's a good idea to make people think someone's home, but she just isn't sure. But that gave me a bad tingle. The mother wanted to go inside to check. However, she didn't have a spare key. The neighbor did, but they were asleep and mum didn't want to wake them. So I fill out my papers and go back to my normal patrol route. But an hour later, the same home sends out an alert. I'm the only one in my city zone, so I answer it again. And when I pull up, police and CSI are there talking to the mother and the now awake neighbor. They're reviewing the video footage sent to them by the daughter. I look at the footage and four armed men wearing masks and hoodies came out of the bathroom a minute after the mother and I left. They proceeded to rob the place. They had broken in and locked the door behind them for appearances, and they were the ones who turned on the light. The mother told me three guys had robbed her daughter's home about a month before this. Somehow they knew when this girl was going to be out of town. They appeared smart, desiring a a quiet robbery without conflict. But they did bring guns, so they were prepared to shoot their way out of trouble if need be. Now, the mother had wanted to go in, and if she had had a key or woken the neighbor for the key, we would likely have been shot dead by these guys when we went inside. 
work doesn't give me like Kevlar vests or anything like that too, so it's pretty much guaranteed a death sentence. If I ever get another house call and someone is in there, I am not going inside no matter what is asked of me. I count myself fortunate the way this place was blocked this time because I was prepared to foolishly go in and check if I could. I will say though that the 1% of calls where something is actually off, it's never been as bad as this one. I live in Finland in a fairly small city and this happened to me a year ago when I was 14. So it was a Friday evening and on every Friday our mum lets us go to the store and buy some candy. So me and my 12 year old sister left our house to go to the store and it was already dark outside. We made our way to the closest store which was over a mile away. While walking at some point there's a man behind us walking the same way but I don't think much about it at the time. He could just be going to the same store after all. So I continue chatting with my sister while the man is behind us, following us at a safe distance. We get to the store with no complications and the man followed us into the store. We take our time selecting our candy and get to the register to pay. While I was packing the candy into my backpack, I saw this man buying only a chocolate bar. It was a pretty far way to go for a chocolate bar, I thought, and at this point, my suspicions start to rise about this guy. I leave the store with my sister, and we start making our way back. We walked for a while, and I quickly glance at my back, and the man was still there following us. I took a look at my sister, who seemed totally unaware about the man's presence, we continue our walk and up ahead of us was an unlit dirt road that continued for a good part of the trip so I look at my back again and there the man still was about 60 feet away. At this point I was almost certain that he was following us because on our way to the store he didn't walk this part of the way behind us. The dirt road goes through a forest and it had a curve at the start of it. Once we got to the curve I look back and notice that the man can't see us, so I quickly pull my sister to the woods and we duck down in there. My sister is saying something and I just whisper, stay quiet to her as I wait for the man to come by. I could see the man's shadow sort of coming down the road and he started looking for us from the road. He walked back and forth on this road a few times and now I was certain that he was following us all that time. My heart was racing like you wouldn't believe and I tried to be as quiet as possible. Thankfully the man didn't find us but continued running forwards. We stayed in the forest for quite some time before getting the courage to come out again. We walked the rest of the way home with no problems and we get to our house. We eat our candy and have a good evening but that really did bother me for a while and especially my sister too. Thinking back on this still gives me chills and the thought of getting caught in that situation in the middle of the woods with no one around, it really creeps me out and I try not to think about it too much. I know for a fact that that guy was up to something no good and I'm just glad that I had the intuition to step into those woods when I did.
so it was the summer of 2004. I was 15 at the time and working weekends at a skate park, running the registers and keeping up shop. I was the only female employee there. The reason that I got the job, I thought at the time, was because I used to hang out there a lot prior to being offered a position. Now, they used to host events and sort of rock shows a ton. Those were extremely fun and the place where all my friends gathered for a good time, so we got to know the owners pretty well. The two guys that owned the shop were in their 40s, overweight, balding, typical older white guys, but they were extremely nice. Their names were Doug and Mark. Doug was always more serious about the business, always trying to come up with ideas to better it and rarely joking around. He was also married with kids. Mark, on the other hand, seemed like Doug's minion, I suppose. What I mean is that he was usually out running errands, making calls or cleaning the shop. He was a single guy, he was very outgoing and silly, so we always had fun with him around until, well, one day when the fun just stopped. Before I tell you about the scariest moment of my life, I think, I'll inform you of the events, or... I'd like to call them red flags leading up to it. So, on one occasion, we were hosting a show where a local metal band was playing. There were lots of people there, kids and adults alike. They were skating and running up and down the ramps and the bowls and stuff, just generally having a good time. Then Mark suddenly came up behind me as I was talking with my friend Katie. And he all of a sudden just picked me up and swung me over his shoulder and started tickling and spinning me around right in the middle of this crowd. I laughed it off and was yelling for him to stop in a sort of giggly way, but I was honestly a bit creeped out by that as he had never touched me before, even in a friendly way. Even at 15, I found this pretty inappropriate for a man in his 40s to be so touchy on me like that. But after about a minute, he put me down and was laughing and apologizing. To be honest, I didn't think much of it because, like I said, it was in a crowd and thought maybe I was just overreacting a bit. A week or two go by, and I noticed Mark was giving me sort of flirty looks and sticking his tongue out at me when he was around. Again, I didn't think too much about it, as he was a nice guy. I thought that he was just being funny. One day, though, Mark called me into the back. We had two doors right behind the register that led into our stockroom, as Doug sat at the register on a business call. When we got to the back room, he picks me up, sets me on the washing machine and tells me that he wants to kiss me. I automatically shut him down, obviously, but he then tries to persuade to lift up my shirt. At this point, I'm really freaked out and I'm just hoping Doug comes through those doors any second. Again, I firmly tell him no as I hop down and proceed to walk to the front of the shop. That's when Doug opens the door and asks, Hey, what are you guys doing? Did Mark show you our butterfly collection? I just responded with, Oh, uh, no, and I walk out. They both follow me. The rest of the day was pretty uneventful, and I just wanted it to end. Now, I usually got off work at around 6 or 7, but around 5, Doug asks me to go to Mark to run some errands. He jokingly said, take my credit card, but don't give it to Mark. All I could think about was how awkward this ride was going to be as we hadn't talked since the incident earlier that day. I was really dreading this trip to be honest, but I had no idea what was about to unfold. 
So we get in the car, drive to my high school, which is on the other side of town, in a medium-sized sort of busy city, but about five minutes away from my house. And as we pull in the back parking lot on a Saturday, I ask him what we were doing here. He responds by saying, I'm scouting out an area for a skate park. It's behind the school here. And this is when I start to get nervous, but hoping it's true because I did know that they were trying to expand locations at that time. He gets out of the car and motions for me to get out and come along. I hesitantly do so. We start walking to the back of the school and he's just talking about his visions of the new park and stuff. Nothing too serious. That's when we approach the woods though. Not a wooded area too, like straight up dense forest-like woods. But ones you could barely walk through in fact. And that's when he says, take my hand, come on, I'll show you the spot. And this is when the alarms went off of my head and I realized that I could be in real danger if I go with this creep. In my head I'm contemplating whether I should run or just go along with him because I didn't know which one was about to make my situation worse at the time. But this pondering seemed like it went on forever when in reality it was probably only a few seconds. But thank God that I paused a second before making any decisions because that was when my cell phone rang. I honestly forgot I even had it on me. It was my mum asking me if she could pick me up early so we could go to dinner and that's when I tell her with a sense of urgency, yes, I'm at the high school, come and get me, now. I think she could hear the fear in my voice too and left immediately because she was there in less than five minutes. During those five minutes, I tell Mark that I have to go and wait on my mum. He seemed agitated by that but agreed and walked me to the front steps of the school to wait. He didn't say bye or anything, he just suddenly sort of briskly walked away to his car. My mum shows up a couple of minutes later, I hop in quicker than I've ever done anything in my life, and I know that I must have been shaking. I tell her that I'm not in the mood to eat and just drop me off at home. She asks me if I'm okay and I said yes and that me and a co-worker were just there scouting for a new spot. I get dropped off at home eventually and I think I'm just in shock and full of fear. What I did next was I quit working there that very day. I just never went back. I didn't explain anything to anyone and I've only told my boyfriend and a couple of friends about this. But I'm 100% convinced looking back on all of the red flags and the fact that Doug didn't seem to trust Mark. Doug actually seemed like a good guy. That if I had went into those woods I wouldn't be here today. Who knows what he would have done to me as well. It's weird when you survive something like this. It's never really seemed real to me, I suppose. But it very much was. These days, I actually have a 12-year-old daughter myself, and I try to teach her about safety and predators all the time. This kind of experience, it changes you, and it changes the parent that you become too, I think. An update to this, though, was that about two years later, Mark called my house phone, I don't know how he got my number too, and told me that he was in Istanbul, Turkey, and about to open a skate shop there. I just said, please don't call me anymore, and I hung up. Luckily, my nightmare was over after that, but hearing from him was honestly like talking to the devil or something. In any case, I... 
hope that that guy is in jail so that he can't hurt anyone else. I've always wondered if Doug ever found out about Mark and if maybe Mark had to flee the country for a crime that he committed, landing him in Istanbul or something, because going there in the first place seemed weird. Anyway, this turned out a bit longer than intended, but the point is, as a woman or a girl, especially, never trust anyone who's been a creep to you. In fact, I don't really trust much of anyone anymore. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. To tell you the truth, I really don't remember exactly how old I was when it happened. Probably six or seven, I think. I know that the war that was raging in my homeland had finally come to an end because my father had finally returned home, which had brought a smile back to my mum's face. They were finally able to visit relatives at the other end of the state, or those that survived, that is. And while they were away for the week, my grandmother looked after me. So that night, I was lying on my mattress in my little room trying to fall asleep. And just as I was drifting off to sleep, Maximilian, a dog that we had, started barking loudly. In a split second, the door to the room opened and then closed. And all of a sudden, I couldn't move my body at all. In fact, an unknown face could be seen through the outlines of the darkness. That figure, which now also had a body, sat on my chest and began to choke me. I couldn't breathe. Blood gushed from its eyes as it repeated over and over again, I don't want to see, I don't want to see. It was a woman's voice. Filled with just horror, I somehow managed to pull myself out of her bloody grip and rushed toward the light switch. I quickly turned it on and when I did, there was no one in the room but me. I am drenched in cold sweat. I want to scream but no sound is coming out. And that's when I noticed that there was black smoke suddenly coming out of thin air and it begins to fill the room. And no matter how hard I try, I can't open the door too. The smoke takes on what it looks like the form of faces or something but the light is on how is this possible after looking at these faces for some time eventually i just lose consciousness i think i wake up curled up on the floor i feel drained and really scared well i just can't really explain it was it sleep paralysis i don't know but i'm convinced that i was wide awake when i turned the light on Maybe, 
maybe I was losing my mind for a, a moment or something. I don't know, but let me tell you that when I think about it, it definitely messed me up for some time afterwards. This is an experience that I've kept hidden for years because well, I know how crazy it sounds. I've dealt with this particular experience for a majority of my life, mostly in dreams, but it began in real life in front of my own two eyes. And while I am an avid believer of the supernatural or other beings that aren't on this plane of existence, I have a hard time believing myself on this one. I'm sure that that's normal though right? Anyways, I'll go back to the night that it began. I was in fourth or fifth grade and I went into bed for the night. A quick description on the layout of the room at the time too. My twin bed was on the right corner with two windows on the opposite wall, one directly parallel to my bed. So as I crawled into bed and got comfy, I looked across my room and through my window, which was covered by purple sheer curtains, and I saw the shadow of a man looking through my window at me. This shouldn't be possible though, as my room was on the second floor. While looking at the shadow, I kept trying to find its floor that revealed the fact that it was fake, but I just couldn't find it. I kind of just stared at it, trying to make any sense of it, and... Eventually, I just dozed off and made it my mission to look outside my window the following morning at the bus stop to see if any objects could possibly create a shadow like that. I got outside of my bus stop the next morning, but there was nothing there that could have created it. And every night for years, I had the same nightmare where I would go into my room, the curtains are open, and he yells at me and kills me. And that was usually right when I would wake up. Years went by and I eventually stopped having them, thankfully. However, the summer after I graduated high school, they returned. Way more complex this time, too. Every time I would have this dream, he gets closer and closer to me. He's always waiting for me in the shadows or he's chasing me. I had sleep paralysis in college and I had a similar feeling during that that I have during these nightmares with this shadow. And I guess that... I'm just trying to see if any of you guys have any ideas on what this could be. Why am I seeing it? Why am I so scared of it? Is there anything that I could do to stop the fear and the nightmares? Also, it's probably a good thing to mention that I haven't seen this figure with my own two eyes since the first night, years and years ago. I'm 21 now. I've thought about the possibility of it being a shadow person, but for some reason it just doesn't seem right. The shadow was very clear and had a precise figure, unlike the stuff that I've read up on on shadow people. However, I will happily admit that I'm just not that educated on the matter and so I just try not to think about it too much. This happened around 2001 when I was 21 or so. I was a college student living at home. My house was on a quiet downtown street in a college town. I'm not a sleepwalker per se, but sometimes when I'm really tired, it takes me a few minutes to really wake up. Within those first few minutes, I'll often go about my business, almost by habit I think. I've gone to the bathroom, brushed my teeth, etc. before fully awakening. 
and one afternoon I was home alone and taking a nap on the living room couch. My doorbell rang. It felt like a part of my dream almost and the next thing I knew I was standing in front of the vestibule, a little room between my porch and the front door, talking to a strange young man. I have no memory of getting up and answering the door to be honest. But he was young, late teens or early twenties, clean cut and dressed normally. Nothing stood out about him. He was holding a sort of stack of something. He was in the process of explaining to me that he was part of some rehab program that took minority, low-key offenders from troubled backgrounds and helped rehab them by teaching them life skills. He and others were out that day selling magazine subscriptions for their non-profit. At first I told him that I wasn't interested, but he was really friendly and wouldn't back down. He was polite, but definitely pushy. I finally told him that I would look. While thumbing through the catalogue, though, I became aware of him moving closer and closer to me. All the hair stood up on my neck. He was really crowding me and invading my personal space. I didn't want to be rude. I know, I know but I just shuffled backwards towards my door until the knob was pressed into my back. But what made me really uncomfortable though was what he was saying to me. He kept going on about, this is a really nice house, how can I get me a nice house like this? Finally, to get him to leave, I wrote him a check for a subscription service, but just as I was starting to close the door on him, he put his hand in and asked for a glass of water. And it was at that that all my antennas went straight up. I knew not to let him into my house, but he'd move forward to where we were almost touching. His hand was on my doorframe, blocking me from leaving the vestibule. I could only move backwards, and when he asked a second time, I said, sure. And then before he could react, I said, be right back. As I quickly backed in, shut the door in his face, and set the deadbolt. Watching him from a window, I actually heard him curse, ball up my check, and then walk away. He got into a dark sedan that was parked maybe a half a block down my street and driven by another young guy, I think. And despite how he was supposedly going from door to door, none of my other neighbors were approached. Also, my check was never actually cashed and I never got my Cosmo. To be honest, I was actually a bit afraid that I may have totally overreacted, but at the time I just didn't feel comfortable at all. My upbringing, I suppose, was totally fighting my instincts. But since then, I've learned enough to know that I might have been really lucky that night. I'll start by saying I have a terrible biological father. He's been a shady person all my life and constantly caused me a lot of grief. This is just one of those examples. When I was four, my parents split up. My mother and I moved states and they agreed that I would visit my dad every school holidays for a week. But this one particular time, I had been with him for a few days when I was playing with my cousin at a nearby park. A car pulled up and I recognized the man as one of my dad's friends. He called me over and without thinking... I ran over and left my cousin at the park. He asked me if I could show him where my dad lived and I agreed and got in his car. I gave directions and didn't notice at all that they weren't following them correctly. Looking back, I didn't really know the way anyhow. 
after way too long, I did realize that we were getting closer to the city, which is far from my dad's house. We pulled up at a house I didn't recognize, and the man told me to wait in his car. I did. I didn't feel scared at all for some reason. He eventually took me inside, and I definitely started to feel unsafe then. I mainly remember two girls passed out with their tops off, and a much older man was feeling them up everywhere. I made eye contact with this man, and he made me sick to my stomach. I had definitely figured out that this was a bad situation by this point. A lady took me into a bedroom and brought me a sandwich. The bread was stale and I wasn't hungry, but I ate it all because I felt bad for her. Which doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's what I was thinking about. The lady told me a lot of things I didn't understand, but when she left, I remember thinking my dad was coming to pick me up soon. I fell asleep waiting for him. I wet the bed that night and no one came to see me the next day until I cried very loudly and banged on the door. The lady came back and yelled at me for stinking up her bedroom and I asked about my dad. She said that he was coming tonight after he finished work. She didn't offer me a shower or a bath so I sat in my soiled pants all day. After that, everything turned into a, just a blur really. My dad didn't come that night and I was really terrified obviously. In my head I felt like I was there for months. I thought that I was missing school and everyone had forgotten about me. In reality, I was there for like five days and they let me take one shower. I don't remember eating much except for boring sandwiches and I had chips and gravy once. Finally though, my mum drove across the country to come and get me. After not being able to get a hold of me or my dad for so long and then me missing my pre-booked flight home, she panicked and came looking for me. And... Thank God that she did. She found my dad at his girlfriend's house, methed out completely hiding out. It turns out he owed a lot of drug money to the people who had taken me. They had told him that they had me, but he couldn't afford it or didn't want me back, whatever it was. The point is, is that he didn't bother to try and get me back. My amazing mum paid his debt for him after borrowing from a lot of people, and she came to get me back. I remember when someone came into that room and told me that my mum was here and I walked out and I could smell her. It was the best feeling to feel safe again like that. And she took me home and I didn't see my dad again for a long time after that. She never called the police. My parents' relationship was very complicated back then and I fully understand the choices that she made. I'm definitely okay now. I've spoken about this in therapy and I've come to terms with most of the things that I went through as a child. But still, it's a messed up situation for a four-year-old girl to have to be in, right? Anyway, I'm grateful that I got out of there pretty much unscathed and I'm thankful for my mum. So, let me get a couple of things straight. Our little village was the kind of place where everybody knows everyone, and I could count the amount of houses on two hands. We were a really quiet and close-knit community, and nothing ever really happened there. Proper out-in-the-stick sort of stuff. But one night, a few years ago, my mum and my stepdad had gone out to this concert and left me in charge of my little brother and the dog. I wasn't very old, about 14, 
but I felt really proud that my parents trusted me enough to do that. I thought that I was a pretty cool big brother and I thought that we'd be doing cool babysitter stuff like staying up late, eating pizza, etc. And I'm kind of glad that we did because I don't know what would have happened if we hadn't. At about 10.30 the power cut out. I didn't think anything about it at first because the weather hadn't been great lately and I figured that that had something to do with it. I got some candles out of the cupboard and I lit them and put some of my favorite songs on. As soon as I sat back down, Sonny, my little brother, turned to me and, being the weird little kid that he was, told me very calmly that somebody was apparently outside. I was a little perturbed by him, but the dog hadn't done anything, so I presumed it was just the neighbors or something. He just shrugged and went back to his drawings. There's a bit of a running joke in our house that you don't actually need a clock with the dog around because he's such a creature of habit that he will constantly get up at exactly the same time every night to tell you that it's time to initiate his nightly go-to-bed protocol. And it was about three quarters of an hour after the power went out when my dog decided that now was that time. I told Sonny to go get the dog his biscuit while I let him out for a pee. Now, our kitchen is an extension to the original house and so, as such, has a flat roof that's comparatively low to the ground, compared to the rest of the house that is, and offers easy access to the bathroom window. As I open the door so the dog could do its thing, Sonny pushes past me in the doorway and whispers, I know you're out there and I'm calling the police. As he turned around with the biggest, proudest smile you'd ever seen on his face, there was a very distinct rustling coming from just above the doorway. I don't think I'll ever forget the way Sonny's face dropped when he looked just above my head. I looked up. The man sitting on the roof above me panicked, tried to kick me, and then ran off into the next door neighbor's garden, and presumably into the cornfield surrounding our village. I was obviously scared to the bone, and Sonny was bawling his eyes out. I ushered him inside as quickly as I could, and I got a knife from the kitchen. We both went to his room and I told him to try and get some sleep while I waited for our parents to come back. We both went to his room and I told him to try and get some sleep while I waited for our parents to come back. It was an agonizingly long four hours before they did. My stepdad immediately went outside to check to see if everything was alright. I heard them talking about how something had smashed the fuse box. Obviously, we then called the police but they didn't come until later that day. They did a search of the immediate premises and they actually found a makeshift bed in a nearby disused barn along with pictures of silhouettes of us in the shower through the frosted glass window. I think it's pretty safe to say that the whole experience definitely shook us up. We moved out as soon as we could but I still shut curtains wherever I go and I see shadows underneath every door that I see. I think that it's affected me long term. Sonny keeps quiet about it, but I'm not sure if that's just because his brain has cut it out or what. Ever since I can remember, there's this kind of energy around my dad's house. The feeling of being watched or not being alone is a regular one. Everyone who lives there can feel it, but have learned to somehow accept or at least ignore it. There are tons of stories from guests and households, including closing doors, objects moving, and strange noises. I 
compiled three personal stories to share with you, and this is what happened. So when I was 13, my grandfather died, unfortunately, and in the following months, once a day, I felt as if somebody entered my room, checked everything around, and just sort of left. It's difficult to explain, but I always told myself it was my granddad just making sure I was alright, and it gave me some peace of mind. That was the only really good paranormal experience I've had here, and everything else has been, well, a lot more creepy. Now, I know it's not a story per se, but I would like to mention that I've had sleep paralysis here. I'd been in this house and in my already deceased grandfather's bedroom for some time at that point, but fast forward to when I was 21 and I visited my dad and stayed in the guest room since my old room was turned into a studio. This room has the bed against the wall that separates it from the hall, so I could hear everything that happened there. Sometime in the middle of the night, I started hearing noises like some kind of heavy furniture being moved. I scratched it up to just being house noises though, but then it got a bit worse. Steps could be heard in the hall and besides me, the only person in the house was my dad whose bedroom was next and in the opposite direction from the sound the footsteps were coming from. The next thing I heard was the door handle moving frantically up and down as if someone was trying to open the door and as soon as I turned the lights on, the movement stopped. Now that I was sure that I wasn't imagining it, I locked the door and went back to bed with the lights still on. And not even two minutes later, the door handle started to rattle again, but even more violently this time. I could see the metal plaques that held it together being separated from the door itself, and that's when I started to scream for my dad. It took me a good minute to open the door for him when he got there, and I'm not ashamed to say that I took my mattress to his room and I slept there that night. In the morning, my dad and I checked the door handle and the screws and they had actually been loosened from all the rattling. A couple of days later, I called my grandmother, who also lives at the house but was away on a trip, to tell her what had happened. Turns out that she had experienced the same thing in the same bedroom months before. Needless to say, I never slept alone when I visited the following years, and I always slept and stayed with my grandma in her room. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.